Welcome to the Connecting Place podcast. Here is Pastor Joe Caminetti. We are finishing up the series Feet, a series about steps, and our feet take us places. And man, this series is all about taking us to a place of great spiritual growth, a place where we begin to live the life that God's called us to live, and we have this incredible relationship with God. Today, we're going to look at steps six and seven. We find out the Bible teaches there's seven steps that we have to take. They're not one-time steps, they're continuous steps. So today we finish out with steps six and seven, and I titled this lesson, Beautiful Feet. Beautiful Feet. And uh, it comes from the scripture that says how beautiful are the feet of those that bring good news. But it's not about the good news that makes your feet beautiful. What makes your feet beautiful is you're reaching out towards people, whether they're Christians or not Christians. And you'll see that today as we open this up. In the natural, um, I would have what I would call homely feet. They're not attractive. Uh, no one would call my feet beautiful. I, when I buy sandals, I wore sandals last night at, 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 when I was speaking, and I always buy sandals where my toes don't stick out and, and they're covered in the back. And I'm just not real proud to show my feet. I, I've gone to a couple churches when I was a member, like, like you are sitting there, and uh, some of them did foot washings, and I always skipped that service because I, I was afraid they were going to come get me and say, somebody you know, called off, can you come up and be one of the disciples or something? I'm like, no, I just missed. And uh, I just did, don't, I'm not real proud of my feet. My, my wife, on the other hand, she has beautiful feet. I mean, uh, they're so pretty, she colors her toenails, you know, and all that paints them and everything. Um, she can wear her toes showing, but I'm the opposite. Now, spiritually, spiritually, my feet are really awesome looking. They're, they're beautiful. And we're going to find out what makes our feet beautiful spiritually because it's great to have pretty feet naturally, but you want both. You want spiritually beautiful feet also. So we'll find out how that's done. Now, I remember when I was a younger Christian, I was a member of a church just like you are, and I went to this new church, and it was a growing church. It was a bigger church. And I remember walking in, and I, I, I love the first time you walk into a church because you can learn so much that first visit. Now, I'm a young guy. I don't know the scriptures I know today. I'm not understanding what I understand about church like I do today. But here's what I noticed. When I walked into that church, nobody stopped to say hello. People were talking. They were in these what I call cliques, you know, two, three people. But nobody was looking around to see the new people that were walking in. So I walked through the lobby, and I made a decision that first week because I'm, I'm able to go up and say hi to people. I'm not afraid to talk to strangers. But I made a decision. I'm not, I'm not going to lead anything. I'm going to see who comes up to me because that helped me understand the church. So I didn't make any initial hellos. No one said hi to me except the token greeter giving out a bulletin. And, and that was it. And so I went into church, and I was 10 minutes early, and I sit down, and I always like to sit up front. So I'm sitting up front, and not one person came and said, hey, you know, you're new. We haven't seen you before. What's your name? Nothing. And then when church let out, you know, and by the way, the service was great. The worship was great. The teaching was great. But when church let out, you know how you're bunched together and you're all kind of walking out together? Not one person said hello. Not, not even like, like that, like a head nod. And, and uh, everybody just walked and went on their way. And so the second time I came, 
I thought, okay, today I'll, I'll just be myself. So I, I had to break into these circles because, you know, it was people that knew each other and, and, and they, they didn't know me. So I had to break in and say hi and introduce myself. And, and I just did that to a bunch of people. Eventually, I, I got to know people in that church. But nobody was looking to, to reach out to me. And that church didn't understand steps six and seven that we're going to talk about today. Here's another problem I noticed with the church. I didn't really understand it at the time. But I went to the outreach pastor because that church did nothing to reach out to the poor. They were in a very wealthy suburb. They did nothing to reach out to the poor, and they did nothing to reach out to the non-Christians. And that bothered me. And I remember going to talk to the outreach pastor, and I said, hey, why aren't you doing anything for the poor? Why aren't you doing something to reach out to the non-Christians? And he said, we're doing okay without it. We don't need to do it. Now, I didn't realize how bad that was at the time, I just walked away scratching my head thinking, something isn't right in that statement. Now, it's taken me years to find out what wasn't right about it. That church, all of its growth was, was almost 99.9%, what you would call transfer growth, people coming from other churches because they heard they had great worship or whatever, so people just came. And it's okay to leave a church, go to another. Transfer growth is normal. Here at Believer's Church, 67% of the people that come to Believer's that join, 67% of the people haven't been in church for five years or more. That's incredible. Most of them aren't Christians and they're coming and accepting Christ. That's the way you want a church to be. So 33% of the people that come, they're transferring from another church and sometimes God moves us and moves us along and that's okay. But we're at a very healthy place. I had to pay quite a price to get here, but it's really fun being here because we're watching God change lives and connect people because we exist to see a city connected with God. So I learned so much from that church and over the years I've looked back at that church and as I grow in God as a pastor I've learned some things that I don't want to be as a church. Um, you know how we can be overweight in the natural uh, and typically if we're overweight this isn't true for everybody some people have uh, metabolism problems, hormone problems, and so on. But typically, there's more calories coming in than going out. So, you know, if you talk to anybody, they'll dress it up a hundred different ways, but they'll basically tell you, eat less calories than you burn up, and you'll start, or then you'll start to lose some weight. Now, in the natural, in the natural, we can be overweight, but in the spirit, Christians can be overweight. And the way a Christian's overweight in the spirit is they take more in than they give out. And they're not giving anything out. And so we become spiritually overweight. And this church and the people in this church were all spiritually overweight. And they were not in great spiritual shape. And it's all because of step six and step seven. So today my heart is to help you understand this incredible truth. So let's look at our seven steps and put it all in perspective. We have the privilege of finishing up today. Here's 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, and it reads like this. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, step two, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance. There's the first four steps. The most important step out of all seven is knowledge, and knowledge is referring to Scripture. It's referring to the Bible. Now, step one, goodness is there. We, we learned in our, in our second lesson. It's there because 
The Bible is supposed to go and grow in our hearts, and goodness makes our hearts clean so that the Bible isn't choked when we read it, when we hear about it. So it's just keeping our soil, the soil of our heart, prepared and ready. These are steps we just keep taking. Self-control is just doing the Bible when you hear it, and then perseverance or patience is after you do it, you just keep doing it, you stand on it until it works. The first four steps will make any scripture in the Bible work in your life, and that's absolutely awesome. It's just, I love hearing people tell me how God's worked in their life and how the Bible's worked and how they, they stepped out on this scripture and God did his thing. It's absolutely remarkable to hear those kinds of stories. I could have people stand up all over here, be like popcorn popping and telling you scriptures they stood on and God doing incredible things. Now, here's the problem. If we stop at the first four steps, we become inward. We just become inward Christians. The Bible's all about us. And I'll never forget that church I told you about. After a service, what you would hear people say, wasn't the word deep today? Wasn't that incredible? And, and thank God when people enjoy the preacher and he does a good job, but it was all about them. It wasn't about the principle. It was about how their mind was blown with a new, new truth, but none of them wanted to do what they were hearing. And what we want to talk about today is the next, the last two steps. We looked at godliness, that's step five last week. That's all about developing our relationship with God. But then there's brotherly kindness. It says to godliness, add brotherly kindness, and then to brotherly kindness, add love. So step six is brotherly kindness. Step seven is love. These are steps we keep taking. These are steps that are all about reaching out towards people. So I want to help you just understand these words. You guys all know this, this one, the first one, uh, brotherly kindness. It comes from the Greek word Philadelphia. And uh, we have the city of Philadelphia. And what do we call that city? The city of brotherly love. And so the first step's all about loving Christians. So step six that we're dealing with today, it's about us loving other Christians. But then the next one, number seven, we all know this word. It's the Greek word agape, love. And here's some meanings of the word. It's the love that lays its life down for others. We also say the God kind of love. And I like to say it this way. In context, it means reaching out to those who don't know Christ. So we're to love Christians, but that's covered in step six. So that's how we know step seven is loving non-Christians. And this whole message today is about you and I stepping out and reaching out to both Christians and non-Christians, taking our eyes off of us and beginning to put our eyes on other people. And that's truly what makes us spiritual. And that's how you can judge whether someone's spiritual or not. You know how I say I want you to walk out today remembering this truth? Here's our truth today. Spiritual people reach people. And that's what these people in that church weren't thinking about. All it was is what can God do for me? How can God change my life? And we do need God to do for us, and we do need God to change our life. But we want to make sure, yeah, add steps one, two, three, and four, but then add step five, and then add step six and seven. Continuous, we keep doing these things over and over. And these steps are all about reaching out to people. And that's what God wants us to do. There's a really cool scripture in the Bible that helps us understand what it means to be spiritual. If you're here and you want to do a litmus test of whether or not you're spiritual, here's the scripture. It's 1 John, and it reads like this. 1 John 4, 7, and 8. Dear friends, let us love one another. That's agape. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God 
because God is love. Incredible scripture. So take a look at the middle of verse 7, and it says this. Everyone who loves, so he's telling us to, this would be brotherly love here, but uh, loving non-Christians is the same. It says, has been born of God. That means you accepted Christ as your Savior, so you're, you're a Christian, you've accepted Christ. So you've been born of God, and then notice this. You know God. But then listen to the next verse, verse 8. Whoever does not love does not know God. Now, it doesn't say you're not a Christian. You're, you're still born of God. But did you notice the litmus test is whether or not you know God? And, and you know God if you're reaching out and loving people. You're reaching out towards people. And the word know here is an interesting word. Uh, you know, in, in our text, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 8, it says we'll be fruitful in the knowledge of Christ. That's a different word. That's epinosis. And that just means experiential knowledge of God. So we grow to a place to where we know God. And this word is gnosko. You don't have to remember it, but it's a sister word. It means the same thing, experiential knowledge of God. So here's what he's saying. Truly spiritual people reach people. It's all about reaching out and loving others. And that's the true litmus test of whether we're spiritual or not. It's not if we know how to pray, although we should know how to pray. It's not about whether God did a miracle when we prayed. All important things. It's not about, did the Bible work for me? It's not about, hey, I began to percentage give. I give a tithe or I give 6% and I'm really faithful and God did this and God brought money from here. And God, That's all cool, but true spirituality is all that plus we're reaching out to people. And we want to talk about that as we progress. Spiritual people reach people. So there's a story in the Bible that explains this really, really well. Uh, there was a, an expert or teacher of the law that came up to Jesus. And a teacher of the law, an expert of the law, would be equivalent today to someone that teaches in a seminary. It would be a professor in a seminary. This guy comes up to Jesus and he says, what do I have to do to have eternal life? So Jesus is being Jesus, he's so cool. He says, well, you're the expert, you tell me. And I, th I thought that was a really cool answer. So, so this expert of the law said, well, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And he said, love your neighbor as yourself. Now he's giving an Old Testament, or we'd say Old Covenant answer. We know in the New Testament, when Jesus died, now in order to go to heaven, what do you do? You simply believe in Christ. You, you don't work your way there, you accept Christ. But Jesus looked at this guy when he said, love God, love people, and Jesus did this. He said, that is absolutely 100% the correct answer. So it says that this teacher of the law, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? And I think that's the age-old question, isn't it? Love your neighbor as yourself. Who's my neighbor? Is my neighbor, you know, the people I'm closest with, my parents, my kids, my relatives? Or is it my physical neighbor, the one that lives next door across the street? Who is my neighbor? We, we, we need to know that. And this guy's wanting to know, who is my neighbor? So Jesus answers, he gives us the answer for all of eternity by telling a story. Most of you have heard the story. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. So Jesus says to him, let me tell you who your neighbor is. He said, there is this guy. And, and listen, he doesn't say if the guy was Jewish or non-Jewish. He doesn't say if he's a heathen. He doesn't say if he's a believer, not a believer. He just says, this guy went from Jerusalem to Jericho. And on the way, these robbers, they attacked him. They stole everything he had, and they left him bleeding out on the road. He was near dead, bleeding out on that road. 
So there's the story beginning. So Jesus is speaking to a religious man, and here's what he goes on to say. He says, a priest came walking by, and when he saw that man beaten and laying on the side of the road, here's what he did. He saw him, he went to the other side, never looked again, and he walked right by him, just walked by him. And there's a religious guy, a Jewish priest. So then Jesus said the next guy that came was a Levite, another full-time ministry religious guy. And he says he sees the guy, he changes sides, and he doesn't look, and he just walks right by him. Then he said the third guy that walked by was a Samaritan. Now Samaritans at that time were hated by the Jews, and here's why. They were half Jewish. And they followed the Jewish Bible, but they, they messed it up. They changed it. They didn't follow it exactly. Jews hated Samaritans. So Jesus' man is picking a Samaritan. This guy is not full-time ministry. He's not a pastor. He's a layperson. And Jesus says, the Samaritan comes by. He sees the man. He walks towards him. This guy has beautiful feet. He walks towards him. He bandages him up. He throws him on his donkey. He takes him to a hotel. He tells the, the guy at the hotel, he says, here's two days worth of payments for the hotel. And he says, I'm going to go on a two-day business trip. When I come back, he says, if you had to call a doctor, whatever you have to do, help this guy out, I'll give you the extra. If he needs a couple extra days when I get back, I'm going to give you all the money that this guy needs. And then this guy took off on his business trip. The story ends. And so Jesus looks at the expert in the law, and this had to hurt. He said, which one was a neighbor to this man on the road? And this guy didn't want to say it. He wanted to say Levite. He wanted to say priest. But he had to say it. He said the Samaritan. And Jesus looked at him and said, that's who your neighbor is, the guy laying on that street bleeding out. Doesn't matter if he's a Christian. Doesn't matter if he's a non-Christian. And Jesus told him, live your life that way. Reach out to people who are in need. And as Christians, we love God. All of us, if, if you've accepted Christ, you love God. But we live in these human bodies, and these human bodies are self-centered. All of us, we care about ourselves more than anything. And that's not necessarily bad, but we have to keep saying to ourselves, I am called of God to reach people. I'm called to God to love people. This isn't just about me. Jesus laid his life down for me. I'm going to lay my life down for other people. So remember that church I told you about? I want to give you a visual. Take a look at this picture. This is a stagnant pond. And uh, I remember as a kid, I played in the woods and went all over the woods, and I was near a lot of stagnant ponds. And you will find some things in stagnant ponds. You find tadpoles. I used to love to grab tadpoles, and then they turn into frogs. And, and uh, you'll find some fish, but you definitely don't want to eat them. And uh, you know what else is in a stagnant pond? Uh, mosquitoes, they lay their eggs there, and they, they, their eggs grow and, and increase there. But why is that pond stagnant? You know what makes a pond stagnant? Water comes in, but no water flows out. And that's what makes a body of water stagnant. And so it has all the algae. It's yucky as can be. Nobody wants to swim in it because it's stagnant. And you know what? Anytime water gets out of it, it only gets out through evaporation, which causes all the biofilth to actually concentrate, so it's even worse. And that's what that church and those people were like. The church was like the stagnant pond. The people in their hearts, they'd become stagnant because there's no giving out. And that's what you and I don't want to do. And that's why we have these two steps. That's why we're told, 
to add brotherly kindness and to add love. But I should have put a picture of a lake, and I didn't. But imagine a beautiful lake. How many of you like to just sit out on the shore of a lake and just, isn't it beautiful? How many of you would get a chair and sit out at this pond? I don't think so. I don't think you would. When I go on vacation, uh, I, I like to visit other churches when I'm out of town. And, and I do it to learn. I just do it to learn. And I can be in a church about 10 minutes and tell you if it's a stagnant pond or a lake. You can tell. I can smell it as soon as I walk in. And this church, guys, uh, when people come for the first time and they go to our website, the thing people say over and over, this is the most friendly church I've ever been in. So I want to commend you guys for showing brotherly love and for showing love. But can we, can we agree all of us can grow in it? Can we all grow in it? I'm going to help you grow in it right now. I, I came up, I love to do this because I figure if I teach a message, that's good. But what do we do with this message tomorrow? and through the rest of the week. So that's how you grow, isn't it? You, you add self-control to, to, to the principles of the Bible. So I came up with five practical ways to add brotherly love. So this is loving Christians. Now, this is really practical, okay? Uh, there's all kinds of other things you can do, but I, I wanted to get into some practical things. And so here, here's the first thing. I have five of them. And the first one is this. Um, well, let me read the scripture, 1 John 3:16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. That's pretty school, cool scripture, talking about brotherly love. And can we all agree laying our life down uh, is really, really tough? I could take a bullet for somebody I love really easy. I could take a bullet for anybody. It's just like a one second, I got to just jump in front of the gun. I, I can do that. But laying your life down day in and day out, that is tough not being selfish, that is tough. And we have to make conscious decisions that we're going to lay our life down for people. So here's our five practical ones. Listen, introduce yourself to people you don't know at church. Isn't that simple? But I want you to think about it next week when you come in, you're in the lobbies, you come into here. If you make a conscious decision that you're going to say hi to at least one person you never met every week, it will change your life and you will begin to become outward focused. You'll, you'll turn from a pond to a lake. Now, I realize, can I tell you something I know? Many of you are not like me. I can talk to a stranger, and it doesn't make me nervous. I can go in any room and talk to anybody there, and it, I have, I'm not shaky, nervous, nothing. Uh, some of you, that doesn't come natural for you. So I, can I let you know I know that, but can I tell you something about God? Whenever God asks us to do something or be something, when you step out to obey it, he gives you the grace to do it and to grow in it. So I don't want you to sit back and say, that's not me, because with God's help, that is you. And you can grow in that. And, and I like to make it real simple. Here's all you have to do. You walk up to someone you never met, and now this is beautiful feet. You know, you want to walk towards people. You just say, hey, my name's Bob. What's your name? How easy is that? And then once they do that, I'll give you one more line. You ready? I live in Niles. Where do you live? All right, there you go. Two lines. And if that's all you can do, then just say, see you next week and, and walk away. <laughs> just do what you can. Start out. Build a muscle. But here's the idea. When you walk in, when you walk in, it's not about I got to get to my seat. I got to get to worship. You know, all good things. All good things. Some of us, we add step five, we add godliness, which, you know, one way we, we re have a relationship God with through worship. Now, if you added godliness, but you didn't add brotherly kindness or love, here's how you can know. You go to an all night of worship in a church, 
and you run people over to get to the front row. Um, you have not added brotherly kindness and love. You just added godliness. So I want to worship, and that's good, and that's cool. But it's all about, man, it's all about reaching out to people. Here, here's the second one. Simple as can be, invite people you meet into your inner circle. You know how when you're in a church a while, you get these people you're just close to. That's good. That's, that's a positive thing. So you come to church and you see that person you click with. All of us click with somebody. It's like you want to say hi, you want to talk. All good stuff, guys. But at the same time, man, you want to be glancing. And if you see somebody new, pull them into that circle, man. Or if you meet somebody and you're not in your circle, say, hey, we're going to be doing this. Why don't you come have coffee with us? Why don't you come hang out with us? We're going to go this direction or that direction. Keep pulling new people in. Why? You don't want to be a stagnant pawn. You don't want someone to walk by and say, ooh, man, they're an overweight Christian or whatever it is, man. You want, you want to be someone that's giving out, not self-centered. So here's what I do, and I probably have done it to many of you right here. When, when, when I'm talking to people after service, and obviously people come up to me to say hi because they're visiting, whenever I meet a new person, I will look around in the sanctuary to see if I can find somebody that's like them. You know, if they're young, I'll look for young adults. If, if they have young kids, I'll look for a family couple with young kids. If they're my age, I'll hook them up with someone my age. And I just walk up to people. You, you, you've been talking, and I walk up to you. I say, hey, this is Bob, man. I want you to meet Bob. Bob's cool. Say hi to Bob. And then I'll get you. I'll just stay there for a second, and then I'll walk away. It's like I'm training wheels, but then I'm gone. And I do that all the time. Why am I doing it? Because spiritual people reach people, and I'm training people. Hey, this is the way we live our life with God. Hey, how about this third one? It's important. Um, it goes like this, overlook people's weaknesses. And Ephesians 4, 2, if you look at it in the literal Greek, it says put up with one another. And can we all agree that uh, after people get to know us, we do have some idiosyncrasies? Is that not true? And, and we, we, just, we just put up with one another. And, and that's okay. We just love each other where we're at. Then these next two are, four and five are in both categories. Four is this, help people when, when people have a need. And it doesn't mean just giving money, guys. That, that's, if you have it, great. But it just means being there. You know, giving them a phone call, checking up on them. When they have a problem, being there for them. And then number five, serve in church. This is our volunteers. BC volunteers, man, we have a great volunteer base. Thank you so much for serving. You realize every time you serve, you're reaching out to the Christian and the non-Christian because that's who's flooding our church services. And so that's another way. And I would encourage all of you to serve. Now, some of you are business people here at Believers and uh, being business people, you have schedules like mine. Sometimes I'll work 60 hours a week. I take one day off Monday. I work six days a week. So this morning I was up at 5.30 and I'll leave here today about quarter to one. And uh, that's, that's a long day. And tomorrow I'll take off. I worked Saturday. It's just what you do. You just, you just work. So when you're really busy and you're working, um, a lot of times you may not be able to volunteer day, week in and week out, and I understand that, but for those of you that are business people, uh, you're well-to-do, you're busy with what you're doing, can I encourage you to do something? Thank you for writing checks, by the way. I appreciate it. Some of our business guys, they'll call us and say, hey, you know, that, you know the Jefferson thing you're doing? If you need... If enough money doesn't come in, just tell me what didn't come in and I'll, I'll make up the difference. Thank you guys for being that generous. It's just so awesome. So write the checks. That's important. You're blessed. Thank you. But also, I think you need to rub shoulders with people too. 
for your spiritual growth, you have to add brotherly kindness and you have to have, add love. So here's what I would recommend. Five, six, seven times a year when we reach out and we do a reach out project at Jefferson or somewhere else, volunteer for that. Come and spend the hours, whatever it is, and just volunteer and lay your life down for people that are hurting. That helps your spiritual growth. Let's talk about reaching out to the lost. These are simple things. Here's our key scripture, Romans 10, 15. And it reads like this. And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. And it's not the good news that makes your feet beautiful. It's the fact that you're bringing, you're going towards people. So whatever you bring to people, your feet are looking good, man. You, 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 you've had a pedicure. You're looking fantastic. Now, let's talk about five steps. Number one, pray for people that aren't Christians. And I'm not talking about like, Lord, everybody in the Mahoning Valley that's not a Christian, I ask you to open up their eyes to Christ. That's good. But here's what I'm saying. Those people you work with, those neighbors, whoever they met, somebody you love that hasn't met Jesus yet like, and they don't know him personally, you just take some time once a week, twice a week, you say, God, I'm praying for these people. Say, Lord, open up their eyes so they see Jesus like I do. Lord, send somebody else to talk to them. Lord, open a door so I can talk to them. And you just pray for them. Man, that's reaching out to the non-Christian. Here's the second thing, and it's pretty simple. Uh, spend time with people that aren't Christians. And that's Matthew 5, 14, 16. Let your light shine. Here's what happens to people that have been Christians a long time. Everybody they know is a Christian. They don't know a non-Christian. And that is really a stagnant pond. That is not good. So last night after I taught this, um, one of the guys grabbed me after service. He goes, I, I go, have a nice night. He goes, yeah, I'm going to go get drunk in a bar. You told me to hang out with non-Christians. And, and I, I said, well, I didn't exactly mean that. Um, and he was teasing me. But uh, what I mean, guys, is this. It's real simple. You know, your best, best friends, your closest friends should be Christians because you want to be equally yoked. You want your best friends to be Christians. But I think it's good to have friends that aren't Christians. Go to coffee, do some things with them. And, unless it's somebody you were friends with your whole life and they bring you down. But I'm just talking about you and I being able to hang out with people. How else can we sh shine our light if we don't hang out and spend some time with non-Christians? Here, here's the next one. Number three, invite people that aren't Christians to church or share Christ with them. And we know we can't do that every week. We don't know enough non-Christians to do that unless we're an evangelist and we're just asking everybody. But be strategic. Pray for them. Be a good friend. And then when the moment arises, you, you invite them to come to a service. How, how about the next two? Real simple. Help when people have a need, the same as we do for Christians. And non-Christians, when they have a need, it's cool for us to reach out. And here's the last one serve in church. When you volunteer here at Believers, man, you are laying your life down, laying your life down in order to reach the non-Christian. And I thank you guys for doing that. Can you all agree that this is pretty simple? I, I believe I challenged you today, and I believe all of you want beautiful feet, not homely feet like I have in the natural. So we need to pray. Let's close our eyes. Let's bow our heads. Lord, I thank you for every person in this room. I thank you for their lives, and Lord, we take a moment. We thank you for this series. We thank you for just giving us a, a simple chart for spiritual growth. And Lord, thank you for challenging us today. And I know myself, I have to keep reminding myself, beautiful feet, Joe, beautiful feet. Spiritual people reach people, Joe. Don't go on the other side of the road, Joe. And all of us have to deal with that. 
And Lord, I just pray for everyone in this room. Thank you for speaking to our hearts. Lord, thank you for challenging us. And as we go through our day-to-day, and especially as we go through our week, bring these things up to us. Show us, Lord, if we're being like the priest or the Levite and walking on the other side of the road. And Lord, challenge us in those moments to walk towards people and to reach out. Lord, for those that are shy or bashful, thank you, Lord, as they step out for giving them grace, Father, to interact with people they've never met. Lord, I thank you for growing every single one of us. If you can agree with that prayer, would you say amen, guys? Hey, can we keep praying for one more moment? Can we bow our heads, close our eyes? Just one more moment. Maybe you're here today, and when you walked in, you weren't sure of your eternity, and I want to make sure you walk out of here being sure of your eternity. You know, the Bible says whoever calls on the name of Jesus, God will save them. He'll give them eternal life. That's awesome. And you might have walked in here today maybe not believing in God, maybe believing but not sure who he is. Maybe you knew him, but you walked away. Whoever you are, listen. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and whoever calls on my name, I will save them and forgive them and wash them clean, and heaven will be their future destination. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm not asking you to join our church. I'm not asking you if you're a member of a church. I'm not asking you if you were water baptized as a kid or an adult. All great things. Here's what I'm asking. Can you remember a day, a time, when you made it personal and you from your heart prayed and said, Jesus, I commit my life to you and I make a decision today to follow you. If you can't remember a moment when you prayed a sincere prayer, meaning it from your heart, and you say, Pastor Joe, I'm ready today. Would you pray with me right now? Would you pray with me? Everybody else in the room, would you help them? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Just help them. Say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I'm a sinner. I repent for all my sins. And this day, I give my heart to Jesus. Jesus, I believe. And I make a decision today to follow you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Connecting Place podcast. For more information about Believers Church, visit believers.cc.